Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. A classic and well-known passage in Isaiah chapter 7 declares in verse 14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and will bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. This verse, written more than 700 years before the coming of Christ, clearly and specifically foretells his coming. God with us is the literal meaning of Emmanuel. Christ our Redeemer, Savior, and Life-Giver. But the prophecy in Isaiah 7 and 8 also deals with the land of Emmanuel, the nation of Israel. People of God today are still watching and waiting as this prophecy unfolds. And the outcome of this prophecy has much to do with us, his New Testament people, as well. If you appreciate the Word of God and prophecy, you will want to stay with us for today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Joining us on the broadcast today is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back to the program. Good to be back. Today's message, Ron, from Isaiah chapters 7 and 8 is going to deal almost exclusively with prophecy, specifically prophecy about the first coming of Christ and his virgin birth, and also prophecy concerning the nation of Israel. Witness Lee was very careful over the years in his speaking this kind of word. As we know, he was a genuine student of both the scriptures and of history, And he also studied under the brethren who were the experts in the matter of prophecy. So he was very well equipped to speak about prophecy, but he was careful not to make that the emphasis of his ministry. Why, Ron, did he bring such caution to this matter that is of so much interest to many, many believers? I believe there are uh, two reasons for this. The first reason is, yes... We should search the scriptures. We should have the heart and the character to read and study the word. And this includes arriving at the best understanding that we can of the prophecies yet to be fulfilled. And under the Spirit's leading to be watchful over present developments that might be signs of certain prophecies being fulfilled. But we have to be careful, and Brother Lee was very careful and quite deliberate and cautious and quickly saying, oh, this person rising up there and this event going on, that's a fulfillment of prophecy. 
we have to be quite sober and cautious in presuming to know that a present situation is fulfilling that. So this was one reason for Brother Lee's um, care. The second reason far outshadows the first. People have been discussing best-selling books on prophecies and novels about someone being left behind and those that were raptured, etc. And sadly, it eclipses Christ himself. Believers are more interested in things that might happen than they are of the Lord himself, about whom the scriptures bear witness. Brother Lee's ministry was centered on the all-inclusiveness and preeminence of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He followed Paul to proclaim as the gospel the unsearchable riches of Christ mentioned in Ephesians 3.8. He would not allow even important matters in the Word to be more important to him than Christ, the Son of God himself. Furthermore, he would point out in his ministry how the prophecies are related to this wonderful Lord Jesus himself and thereby help us to see the connection between prophecy and Christ. This is what we have in the life study of Isaiah. We need to study the prophecies. We need to be careful in our application of them. But we should be exercised to consider all prophecy in relation to Christ, the center of the written word of God. Well, Ron, in Isaiah, it's hard not to touch the prophetic matters. It's so much a part of this book. And so we're treated in these days to hearing it expounded by someone who really knew when and how to interpret the great prophecies. I'm looking forward to hearing from him, Ron, and also to hearing your thoughts when we return from this first portion by Witness Lee. Jehovah wanted Ahaz to ask for a sign. Ahaz would not ask. He would not believe in Jehovah. And Isaiah considered that as exhausting the patience of his God. <laughs> the Lord would give Ahaz a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and will bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is verse 14 of Isaiah 7, quoted by Matthew chapter 1, Verse 21, the sign involves a virgin. It was Isaiah's wife gave birth to uh, her son. The son was named, my goodness, a long name. <laughs> Meher Shalal Hasbash, which means shift. Shift is spoiled. Speedy is the prey indicating the caraway of the wells of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria, the capital of Israel. 
Assyria will come to invade the two countries and capture their riches. That released Judah, especially the king Ahaz, because the people of Judah rejected the gentle throwing waters signifying the tender blessings of the divine provision. The Lord would bring up upon them the mighty and abundant waters signifying the strong and great army of the Euphrates, the king of Assyria, and all his glory. It would uh, sweep through Judah, overflowing and rising until it reached the neck and the uh, spreading out of its wings would fill the breadth of the land of Emmanuel. Now you have Emmanuel who will be born of a virgin. The land of Emmanuel indicates that the land of Judah, the Holy Land, is Christ's territory, invaded by the conquering army of the king of Assyria. Ron, I think all believers cherish Isaiah 7.14. It's one of the most beloved passages in all of Scripture, prophetically pointing to the coming of Christ. But chapters 7 and 8, which we are touching today, also spent a great deal of time on the land of Emmanuel. And this is introduced in chapter 8, verse 8, when it refers to the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Ron, we know that Matthew identifies Christ as the real Emmanuel, so this is another clear reference to Christ in Isaiah, but one that has been very much overshadowed by chapter 7, verse 14, and therefore missed by most Christians. But the land of Emmanuel is absolutely worthy of our investigation and understanding, isn't it? It it surely is, and the expression, land of Emmanuel, in and of itself, should um, attract our attention. Just referring it to the land, or the good land, or the promised land, or the land occupied by Israel. But no, God through the prophet connects the land to a person. The Emmanuel prophesied in 714. The Emmanuel revealed in Matthew 1. And the Word of God identifies a certain portion of the earth as the land of Emmanuel, a land that for centuries has been taken over by various nations exhibiting the enemy's intentions on the earth. So we need to pay close attention. What is the land of Emmanuel? We realize that there are different views concerning the future. Some believers think there will be no such thing as a millennial kingdom. They also are convinced that God has no interest at all in the Jewish people. Despite what Paul says in Romans 11, they claim he 
The nation of Israel on the earth means nothing to God. Only the church matters. Yet, after decades of careful study, we follow the view that the land of Emmanuel is, and I'm not trying to be facetious, is the land of Emmanuel. And the Lord Jesus, when he returns to manifest his kingdom on the earth, we know from other scriptures he will establish his throne in Jerusalem. And the covenant made to Abraham back in Genesis and the prophecy concerning the land of Emmanuel will be fulfilled in the sense that the complete area, the entire territory mentioned in these scriptures will, in fact, belong to Emmanuel himself. That will be the center of his kingdom on the earth. Our concern with the land of Emmanuel should cause us to pay attention day by day to world events in the Middle East because prophecy is very much concerned with that part of the earth. And our witness is Emmanuel, God with us, our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will return. And he will return to a particular part of the earth, the land called the land of Emmanuel. And the land of Emmanuel mentioned in Isaiah 7 will in fact belong to our dear Emmanuel in the coming kingdom. For this we proclaim the word, and concerning this we pray. Well, Ron, I think that what you alluded to is really the overwhelming principle of this ministry, and that is whatever the interpretation, it always should have one effect, and that is to point us to and to bring us to Christ. And that's surely the case in the prophecies that are unfolded in this book of Isaiah. Let's go back to more of Witness Lee's sharing. These prophecies concerning the virgin conceiving and bearing a son, this vision, it was given 750 years before Christ was born. When Christ was born, his birth was a fulfillment of this sign. And this sign with the word Emmanuel shows that it involves a long period of time from Assyrian invasion through the Babylonian invasion, the Persian and Median invasion, then the Macedonian, the Greek invasion under Alexander the Great, then the four kings under Alexander's invasion. And that brought in the fighting, the war between the north and the south, which is fully prophesied in Daniel chapter 11. Then after that invasion, the Roman army came. Eventually, the Muslim took over the good land and occupied it for at least 700 years until today. You will read chapter 8, verse 9 to 22. You know, today, if you do not the Bible, you have to pray. 
for the Middle East situation this way. Lord Jesus, you are Emmanuel. This is your land. How about we begin to pray this way? Lord, remember the good land promised by God to be given to his people. That is your land. Now, the uh, struggle there in Mid-East is not for the oil. It's not a matter of who owns the oil field, but it is for the ownership of the good land. Who will be the owner? Israel. Where is Emmanuel? I will ask you today. You tell me, where is Emmanuel? God became a man to be with man. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, firstly, is our Savior. Then our Redeemer. Then our life giver. Then the all-inclusive indwelling spirit. Who is the shoot of Jehovah and the fruit of the earth? Who is God and who is man? God is with his Emmanuel. Let me check with you. Iraq, whose territory is that? Emmanuel. Are you all clear about this? Amen. Jordan, whose territory? Emmanuel. Very good. <laughs> now you understand. Now you know how to pray. Lord Jesus, that's your land. That's your territory. And we are today still under the fulfillment of the sign. Oh, Emmanuel, the invaders are filling up your land. Would you allow that? He would say, sure, I would not allow that. Then we would say, why tarry so long? Then he would say, I want to tarry less than three days. Why would he be bothered? To us, 26 injuries are something. To the Lord, this would be just shorter than three days. The Lord counts 1,000 as a day. This will be just less than three days. So what? So you have to pray, Lord, speed up, Lord. To you it's so short, to us it's too long. Good Lord, good Lord, how long? Isaiah asked this question, how long? Then the answer was that, devastation, destruction, this and that, all the things will happen. I tell you, the devastation, the destruction is still not over yet. Ron, we've been talking about this treasured prophecy of the coming of Christ in verse 14. But it's set against another prophecy, and that is of the devastation of Israel, a devastation that's still going on today, nearly 2,700 years after it was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. The land of Emmanuel is still under the occupation of Israel's enemies, and it's much in the news even today as we speak. How long, O Lord? This is the obvious question, Ron. When will Israel be fully restored? We dare not give times and dates. We know there will be stages. There was the recovery of the land that became the nation. In 1967, there was the recovery of Jerusalem. Eventually, there will be the recovery of the Temple Mount location. 
with the rebuilding of the temple. So these things need to happen outwardly. But inwardly and intrinsically, the bride has to be prepared as the counterpart for Christ as the bridegroom. So the world situation outwardly and the spiritual situation inwardly correspond. So I dare not predict the time, but we should just watch for these two kinds of developments. That will give us an indicator of how close we are to the end. Ron, we began the program today with the wonderful prophecy of Christ our Savior, born of a virgin. But we conclude with a tremendous advance and progression in our view and appreciation of Christ as the land of Emmanuel, and then the real sanctuary and habitation of God and man, and finally, as the coming stone, that rock of stumbling. This last section today is just a glorious word. Here's Witness Lee once again. Christ, the Emmanuel, will become a sanctuary. In chapter 8, this Christ becomes a sanctuary. He is God's people's sanctuary. Israel today is endeavoring to build up the temple sanctuary. Christ is their sanctuary. Do you think God likes that temple which will be built by Israel? That is not a satisfaction to God, that is an offense. Children of Israel would take material things as their temple. Actually, their temple is just Christ. You don't need to build a temple. Christ is your sanctuary. Is Christ a rock? So trustworthy? Is he a big stone to smash you? Is he a stumbling block? Is he a snare? Is he a trap? To trap whom? To trap those who would not believe. Hallelujah. We were not trapped. And we should not be trapped. Christ so much. He is all to get to us a sanctuary. But he is a mighty rock. Strong. And he will smash the big image which Daniel saw into pieces. He will smash that image from the head to the toe. Do you believe the Bible tells us Christ is a snare? Do you believe the, the Bible tells us Christ is a trap? A Christ is a smashing stone? Many Christians do know Christ is the rock craved for us, the rock of the ages, but they don't know Christ is also the rock, smiting, stamping rock, a snare, a trap. But Christians even do not know that this Christ, who is the rock of ages, Christ for us, is our sanctuary. It is not just a piece of rock, a piece of stone, but something built it up that we can dwell in. He is our sanctuary. Are you clear about this? This is Emmanuel. Ron, I just love this view and revelation of Christ in chapter 8. To see him as the real sanctuary and our ultimate habitation. And also as the stone, the rock of stumbling. As believers, we all need to ask ourselves these two questions. First, 
Yes, he's my savior, but is he my sanctuary and my habitation? And then, yes, he is the stone, the rock, but is he the cleft rock to me or will he be the stumbling stone to me? He's the sanctuary or habitation to some and to others, he's the stone of stumbling. Ron, is it too much to say that in that day, every man will experience Christ in one of these two ways, a habitation or a stone of stumbling? First concerning the habitation, that when Christ came, he was the reality of the tabernacle, the reality of the temple. He is truly our dwelling place. We dwell in Christ, in God. The more we enjoy Christ in this way, the more peace we will have. In the Gospels, especially in Matthew, the Lord reveals himself as the stone. He's a building stone. He's the cornerstone. That's for those who receive him and believe in him and are constituted with him. To others... He's a stumbling stone to the unbelievers. They stumble on him. Eventually, when he returns, he will be the smiting stone to remove human government and to manifest the kingdom of God throughout the earth. So, yes, we're heading toward a time when on the side of the believers, more and more, we'll learn to abide in the Lord to live in him, to dwell in him as the real home, the real land, the real country. And it's a fact that those who reject him will either fall on the stone because they stumble, or the stone will strike them and they will be reduced to nothing. It's all or nothing with his wonderful Christ. Thank the Lord for his mercy that to us he's our habitation and our building stone, not the stumbling stone, not the smiting stone, but the living stone for God's house. Ron, this was an extraordinary life study today. I thoroughly enjoyed your fellowship and look forward to our having many more times together in Isaiah. We hope also that you listening have enjoyed our program today, and we'd like to invite your comments. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. And we invite you to check out our website, and that's simply www.lsm.org. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you'll join us again. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. We have these recorded studies on every book of the Bible, available to you online, free of charge. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. You can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or add them to your podcast subscriptions, all at no charge. Once more, the website, lsmradio.com. To contact us, send email to radio at lsm.org or call us at one life study That's 
543-3788. Thanks for listening today.